0: Bye. <laughs> Welcome to another hacker public radio this is your host tracy holtz otherwise known as holster you guys might know me is that from other places we are going to continue on the modern survivalism part two i know it's been a while since i did part one i apologize i'm not going to give you any excuses i'm not going to apologize just say life came in and you guys know the rest of the story before we begin and people didn't listen to the other one. You can go back and listen to the first one about modern survivalism. It is not tin foil hats sitting in the woods, doomsday prepping everything like that. What to me modern survivalism is is living better now and living better later with an emphasis on living better now. And do I store food? I store food a little bit, yes I do, but the main philosophy you got to remember is you store what you eat and you eat what you store. 500 pounds of beans and rice in your closet does you no good if you don't like beans or rice. If you like beans and rice, that's great, but if you've ever tried to eat plain bean and rice... Eh, That's pretty plain. I'm not going (laughs) to really get into that that, that's some hard eating. If you just try to eat plain rice and plain beans, pinto beans, black bean, navy bean, pick one. And just those, no seasonings, no nothing, hey. And it doesn't take much to store a little spaghetti and spaghetti sauce on the side if you like that. But the main topic we are going to be talking today about is something that everybody can do whether you're in an apartment If you're in a house, if you got land or anything, but one of the main things you can do to better your life is producing your own food. Producing—I forgot who said this—but producing your own food is just like having a money tree, which it is. If if you can make an initial investment of a small amount and that continually pays off month after month after month after month and just 10 20 30 40 50 folds that's just like having your own money tree for very little work now a lot of people you know that what i do and all the stuff i do then you know that i am not a lazy person but i would much rather work a little harder up front to have everything work for me in the long run so i'm not lazy i just want to be smart so that's where this comes in Today we are going to be talking about aquaponics and some of you might know about this, some of you don't might know about this, but you can set this up as simple as a little balcony if you're in an apartment or put it on a back patio. You can put it in your backyard, you can put it in your garage, you can take your whole backyard up or you could have you know a 20,000 square foot greenhouse and do this commercially it's totally scalable and doable on everything I've even seen some sitting in the middle of the living room off in the corner so it's very very doable on on every level so it the more I go into this the more it'll get detailed in we're gonna go a broad view of it then we're gonna go over some components and then we're gonna go about those components so, and I hope you guys enjoy this a little bit. Aquaponics really intrigues me a lot, and I went to training on it. Some of you guys know me that. it This this is a great thing, and it can be done anywhere in the world. So, and here goes. What is aquaponics? Well, aquaponics, uh, first of all, in various forms, have, has been going on, you know, for a long time. The ancient Aztecs, and I'll tell you what it is in a second, have been doing it. They did it, you know ancient china you know thailand did variations of this here but what it actually is is two different kind of farmings there's aquaculture which is the raising of fish and hydroponics which is the raising of plants without soil in water whether it's misting it floating on the bed water coming by the roots or whatever like that those are those two and hydroponics has a stigmatism quite a bit with it it's like anytime you say hydroponics or anything like that the first thing people say is oh you're going to grow pot no i have no desire to grow pot i don't want to grow pot but hydroponic growing stuff has been proven over and over and over again it makes plants grow faster and it makes grow plants with multiple times less water than if you're in the dirt but the bad part with hydroponics was you had to add chemicals and stuff to the water you could really never you could be organic yes there are organic foods but it's really hard to be organic hydroponic because you're adding natural stuff to the water and you're constantly checking the levels of your nutrients in the water the chemical way is a little easier where stuff's dripped in periodically and it comes maintains itself to a certain extent and you test it but you have to change the water out over and over and over again with hydroponics so what does aquaponics do in the twenty thousand foot looking downward it is you have a fish tank and when you got the fish tank you feed the fish and fish have two you know two ways they do waste one they secrete ammonia and they secrete ammonia through their gills in a little bit and when they do the waste in the water and they also have their solids when they do the waste in the water so that's why if any of you guys raise fish before the water gets cloudy it gets murky and you got to clean the water you got to filter the water and you have to do all that so the main thing is ammonia that we are interested in the solids so what does aquaponics do well it changes the ammonia in the water to make it into a usable plant food okay and then that plant food it's cleaned up and it's taken by the plant and then it's returned back to the fish clean so you got this natural cycle you got the fish eating the food in whatever way you feed them properly then they have the wastewater and that wastewater feeds the plants the plants clean the water and the water goes back to the fish so it's a nice little cycle over and that's your gut hydroponically and it's organic all the way 100 organic and then it cleans that so the fish get the clean water too so how do the plants first of all how do the plants get this food for its ammonia they don't need ammonia well it does a couple things and there is some science involved but not hard science as you guys know i'm not exactly a road scholar but it, it's fairly easy to understand once you get it. And if you do this yourself, small testing kits are real cheap. And I, if you do, really get one and test it because that is your main thing. But basically, the first thing you do is there's bacteria that help you out. The first bacteria is nitrosomonas, that converts the ammonia to nitrites. Okay. And then you got a nitrobacter bacteria that converts the nitrites to nitrates well then the nitrates the plants can have the nitrates so you're going from ammonia to nitrite to nitrates too much ammonia in the water and too much nitrates nitrites excuse me in the water is bad for the fish nitrates can really hurt the fish but that's in really huge amounts and usually you don't have any problems or issues with that Uh, you still want to test it to maintain it basically for the healthier plants to make sure you're getting good conversions and everything like that but that is basically about the bacteria that handle for the food to the fish now the only thing sometimes you have to worry about is uh, just naturally there will be some iron in there and over time and you'll get iron in there. But sometimes you will have be lacking iron. There is a couple organic ways you can get iron in the water. One, there's chelated iron. And that's just a little powder you add very little at a time and adds a little iron. Or you can put a couple rocks in, I'll tell you later, that have iron in it. And just very little leaches off the rocks natural into your natural cycle for your plants. But other than that, that is about it that's about all you really have to know about the water and everything like that it gets more complicated yes you need air in the water because plants need air the fish need air but that's handled simply as having for lack of better terms the waterfall effect with water splashing on the top and some little air pumps with little air stones just like you see in in the aquariums as you grew up or if you have some now but now we're going to go over to some of the system components of an aquaponic system the first one is a fish tank okay Uh, that is the biggest piece of equipment you'll have and if you buy one that'll probably be the most expensive thing you'll have to buy now there's there is no right or wrong way to build well there's a wrong way to build an aquaponic system but there's no really wrong equipment you can use with the exception is anything you get has to be make sure it's food grade or potable So whether it's a 55-gallon drum, you know those blue ones, there's potable ones, there's non-potable ones. You want the potable ones. Most of them are, though. Or if you want to get a bigger system like I'm building, the IBC tanks. And if you don't know what an IBC tank is, those are those big 3x4x3, you know, 3 foot wide, 4 feet long, 3 feet high, and some are 4 feet high. White poly tanks that are food grade and have those metal bars around them like a cage. That's what I'm building my system out of and cutting some and everything like that. And as I go, if you guys know me, you can follow me on youtube or or, or follow me on facebook or google plus i will be making videos and pictures as i go i'm probably gonna be starting my build in about a month uh just time's catching up to me now and i have to get the area ready where it's going in my greenhouse it doesn't have to go in a greenhouse but i have to get that ready get some power and everything like that to that but the fish tank is your biggest piece of equipment now you can do this as simple as a little 55 gallon drum for a fish tank cut it you know so it holds about 50 gallons of water you got yourself a good sized tank now the advantage of having a larger tank is the larger volume of water you have is once your system is cycled through and everything is running good less likely you can get spikes of any one area to hurt the fish or hurt the plants If you only have a 20-gallon system, you can do it and it works just fine. You just have to keep a closer eye on it because your ammonia levels can spike real quick and your fish can be in trouble very quick because your whole goal here is to raise fish to eat. And if you don't like fish, trade them to a friend. I'm not going to say sell them because that would be against the law in most areas of the U.S. Okay, But if you trade them to a friend and there's different varieties of fish you could grow, And if you don't even want to get in, I get like koi fish where it's just decorative and they're doing the same thing. So, but that's the fish tank. It's just get a big tank. Uh, I'll just kind of give you what I'm doing as I go. Just for example, I'm getting a 330 gallon IBC tank. And when I cut my little top off, that'll be holding about 320 gallons of water. Now, some people ask, well, how many fish can i get in there it really depends on the type of fish you have the size of the fish and all those concerns but as a general rule for every one and a half to two gallons of water you can have a fish so i will have between 150 and 200 fish in that 300 gallon tanks somewhere in there and as they get older i'll start eating some so the numbers will start dying off and what type of fish people always ask I'm going to have. This depends on where you are at in the country and what part of the world. Now, if I could have jade perch, I would have jade perch. But where I'm at, it is against the law to have a jade perch. If you're in Australia, jump on it. Jade perch has the highest levels of the omega fatty acids, the good stuff any other fish by far nothing is even close it's an easy fish to grow it's tolerant you know and it's really good for you so i would do that but i cannot so the best one i can get here is tilapia now most people love tilapia and tilapia are good fish as far as hardiness and everything they're right alongside the, the jade perch they just don't have the higher you know levels of the omega-3. So I'm going to go on tilapia. Now that I said tilapia, there's different versions of tilapia. Not all tilapia is available in all parts of the country. I'm in Texas. There's only one variety of tilapia I can get. That variety is a Mozambique tilapia. It's a good overall tilapia. Uh, uh, the reason you can't have it in some areas and the others is because tilapias can be considered a nuisance fish once they get going they will take over everything because they breed very well they're very hardy and everything like that now most tilapia are not cold tolerant so you cannot have this in your backyard in the middle of north dakota you're going to have to some kind of water heater which you can do or put it in your garage or whatever like that or a small little tiny greenhouse or something like that now if i could i would get the nile tilapia there's just a little more varieties. Uh, they tend to grow just a hair faster than the Mozambique for that. Now that I said that, they're still pretty fast growing. Uh, the Nile Tilapia, you can, for sell size, if you want to sell it, if you become commercial in this, or eat size if you want to eat it, is about six to seven months, where you can add on three to four weeks for the Mozambique. So i will take a little longer for me. So when I get my little, my little fingerlings in six to eight months depending on the situation and everything i will be having and harvesting a lot of fish for me well now that i said that do i really want every eight months 150 tilapia fish well yeah i can freeze them but the way the system will work is after the system is going you can start breeding your own fish and start raising them up and tilapias are one of the fish that do not uh eat their young they will if they really have to but they they don't like trouts and everything like that you know that will eat their young so it's a good fish overall and i'll be eating some periodically as the cycles go out and they will keep on growing and growing i don't have to on that day get rid of them if you're in a commercial environment doing this yes you want to because your growth to feed ratio will dramatically go down after that point so, uh, but I will be harvesting one to four fish a week when I'm in cycle, depending on, and maybe a little more as I grow. So that is uh, what I will be growing type of fish. Now, a couple other fish you can grow in your areas, and it's going to depend on the temperature. You have to do research, what's good, what's bad tilapias are really really forgiving that's why you're doing it you could even throw in a couple catfish and i'll tell you what this is later on the body your sump pump or the bottom of your tank to help clean that up you could do that too but a couple other varieties you can do that that do good but don't do as well as jade perch and tilapia is the largemouth bass most of you've heard about the largemouth bass bluegill uh and of course you know uh, catfish is another one you can get uh, uh Monday is a really good one it's right up there with jade perch and tilapia but you can't get it here in the u.s that's more for australian french and everything like that same thing with the silver perch and the murray cod uh those are pretty hard to get here you can some of those you can get you, you're not supposed to get with special licensings but i'm not doing any of that anywhere you're at in the country and i believe it is maryland or it is virginia i forgot can't have any tilapia whatsoever well then you got to do some other research you know trout's another one you can do trout need to be a little colder water and they will eat their young so those you might want to have separators in your tank for different size and everything like that so you just have to find out what's available in the area what i can do what i want to eat you know and if you don't like tilapia well don't grow tilapia grow something else you might not do as good you might not get as many but you'll still have it you'll still have your fish intake and if you don't want it all like i said get some koi they do the same thing you're just not eating it. or even goldfish get a bunch of goldfish put it there doing the exact same thing as you need okay the next thing it's usually in line as i'm going is the aeration system the aeration system is basically getting air in the water for the fish and for the grow for the plants and stuff like that for some of the grow beds not all the grow beds and i'll explain what they are later but the aeration system can be as simple as on small systems the water falling in a waterfall type and it's splashing around getting water in the tank a lot of times that's good enough you're good to go if you have a little larger and you want to Make sure you get a little air pump, throw some air stones in there, and you are good to go. That's basically aerating your water. Now, the next thing is the solids removal device. And that can be, there's different kind of solids removal. Uh, The two main ones you will see in the aquaponics area is the radial flow and just a basic you know solid removal device now the solid removal device is as simple as getting a bucket or a barrel you have the intake at the top of one side and exactly on the other side you have the outtake so whatever goes in the same amount will flow out that's just water dynamics you guys should know that but in the middle of the barrel you know perpendicular from the holes it's divided in half so if you think of it exactly cut in two, so you got two halves of the barrel running vertically, where the in and the out are on different halves. With the exception of about three to five inches at the bottom, it's open. So what happens is the water goes in, everything, water goes down to naturally to go to the other side, but the solids stay at the bottom and the clears go up. So you get rid of a lot of solids. It's real easy to do, real fast. They last virtually forever. You're good to go now the radial flow filters generally work a little better and they do work a little faster but it it it's a, they're not as easy to set up slide the thing in and you're done what basically happens is you can do a large amount in a small bucket so you could have a 5 10 gallon bucket doing a 300 gallon tank you know to save space that's where this comes in handy but basically what it is is i'll just think of a 5 gallon round bucket and again this has to be food grade the water comes in at the bottom of the bucket and it goes to the middle and an elbow just with PVC or something goes straight up to about three to four inches to the top of the bucket when you got the lid on. So what's going to happen is the water's gonna come down through gravity, go up the pipe and go up to the top. Well then the outflows at the top of the bucket too. But you have a downward PVC covering the top of the input of the water. And if this doesn't make sense, go to YouTube, put Radio Flow Filter, and you'll see a video, hundreds of videos out there. But what that does is the water comes in with the solids, it shoots up, it hits the top, it goes back down, and when the water is forced down, all the solids keep flowing down, but the water wants out, so that goes back up to the open in and out. So that's why that is you can generally get a little more flow with this, you, not as much space. Uh, if you have a huge amount, you might just want to get the just a regular solid removal device because there's really nothing to it. The only thing I would suggest is if you do these is... You'll see little valves at the bottom of each of these barrels, whatever you do, because you will get sediment over time and build. Put a bucket below it, open it up, clean it out, close it, and don't throw that water out. Take that water, put it on your other ground plants, you know, your, your trees, whatever you have that is like liquid gold for your plants, so, so don't throw that out. But that's basically a solid removal. You really don't need a solid removal if you do one of the types, but... It's an advantage and i'll explain that later but i, I would you know um really you know advise it because less maintenance down the line now sometimes a solid remove device also you know is uh also called a clarifier so that's that's what sometimes you hear at that also now another one when you did now, now we're going to talk about when you get more of the commercial end. most home owners won't do the next couple things if you're in a commercial environment you really want to because you really want the benefits and you want your plants just to go and you want your fish to be optimized because you're after the sale of the product it's the biofiltration and the mineralization tanks it's a fancy word it's a lot of fancy talk but all it is is basically is you basically have your your bucket or your drum your 55 gallon drum water goes in at the bottom Shoots upward with some air, and the outputs at the top with a little filter on it. So what happens is, and this is after the salt remover, so it's pretty clean water, and even the solid water you could feasibly drink would still be potable. You're really not going to smell anything because the water's moving. I want to make sure you know that. And it's not like a fish tank water. You put your nose and you go back to it. a good aquaponic system. You know, you could easily take the water out of the fish tank and drink because it'll smell and taste clean. But Not that I'm going to do that, but there you go. But basically, inside this, the water comes in and shoots up. And it floats the water around and a lot of air is mixed in. And the air is important because that's bacteria. And you have some kind of media... In here that's fairly buoyant and you want to kind of water neutral you don't want it floating you don't want it sinking there's different materials you can use uh, again if you go to youtube and put biofiltration and mineralization tank you'll see a bunch of them out there basically and those float around and all that does is it gives area for this bacteria to live that i was talking about earlier and it really gets going and it makes your bacteria basically supercharged where you always have an optimal amount of the bacteria to do its job so uh, my home system i'm not going to be doing that if i go larger to commercial system i'm definitely going to do that so that's something you really don't need in the home but i want to make sure in case you hear that what that is a uh, next one is called the de- the degassing tank uh, this is another one you probably don't want or need in the home one you can nothing will stop you but in a commercial you really should again this one's even easier all is this is is another barrel or bucket with the water and all you're doing is the water's passing through you know input and output so the water's in there you know for a minute or two or a couple seconds or whatever you're just shooting a bunch of air in there with big bubbles or lots of little bubbles i should say and all that's doing is it's encouraging the release of the bad gases you don't want into the air you know your co2s and all that stuff like that and putting more oxygen in the air so that that's basically uh the components now the next one you're definitely going to be needing uh it is your grow beds and I'm going to go into a minute what different kind of grow beds you can have there's three main types of grow beds for the home environment 95% you can be doing one type and I'll go over that in a minute and the next one is your sump tank and this would be in your water pumps basically basically what happens is the water this is how it's generally run but there's different types and systems there's no right or wrong here But most home systems you'll see is, and varied off this just a little, so you get your water, it's flowing from there by gravity, you know, through your solids removal, and then it's going to your grow beds. Sometimes it goes directly from your fish tanks to your grow beds. That's still fine. And then, depending on what kind of grow beds you have, it does its thing, and then it goes to the sump tank, and that's just a big volume of water down there. And the sump tank pumps the water back to the fish tank. Now, the reason you want to do it that way is so there's a constant level in your fish tank. This When the sump tank, where all the water goes into or up, will raise and lower the volume levels, depending on how much is in the beds. That way, your fish tank's at a constant height. You don't have to worry about if something happens to your pump, the water pump all the way out of your fish tank, so you know it'll happen there to your fish. So that's generally the way most people do it. Uh, it just gives you a little bit of accident proof and everything like that so that's what the sump tank is and there's different places you can put it depending on how and what you do well then a couple other components that you will need obviously for is you'll need some kind of plumbing just PVC is fine Uh, you don't have to do special PVC and matter of fact most of your plumbing when you run it from place to place with a couple exceptions it's not even glued in place Uh, it's just put in the fitting real hard there's absolutely zero pressure with this With the exception of the water pump pumping the water to the fish, you know, back to the tanks and back to your fish tank and to your grow beds. That obviously will have pressure and you'll have to lock those down in some way, shape, or form. Another thing you might want or need is a water heater or chiller. Um, I will not need a water heater where I'm at in Texas, uh, especially my greenhouse. But I might need a chiller for my really hot summer months. I don't know. But some of you other parts of the world, just a water heater there you go Uh, in some areas you won't need anything so and another thing is you might want to think about is some kind of backup system Uh, you don't have to get real fancy Uh, your plants can survive a while without water Uh, your fish will start getting stressed after a little while when the ammonia start getting high and everything like that so backup power can be as simple as you got two little voltage things get yourself and you lose power and your pump and your air and your air pumps not working you're freaking out it's as easy as getting a forty dollar power inverter for your car plug it in run an extension cord to your pumps plug your pumps in turn them on you're good to go it can be as easy as that so the way i'm going to be doing mine is a little different i'm going to be having two marine batteries and they are going to be linked, to, not together. They're going to be linked in parallel, so they're going to be 12 volts. But I'll have two life. There won't be 24 volts together. It'll be basically a longer life of 12 volts. Then I'm going to have my inverter plugged into that, and everything plugged into my power inverter, and then I will have a battery trickle charger. This, the kind of electronic kinds that don't ruin the battery. They're a little more expensive plugged into the batteries so the batteries are charged all the time so if i ever do lose power my equipment doesn't even stop because it's running off the battery to begin with so with the low voltage it'll take with my two batteries i will get between depending on i'm guessing 15 to 20 hours of no issues and that'll take care of most of my power outages and if it's and if it comes longer i'll just do like st- i told you before to do that but little on and off st- they're fine matter of fact some parts of the uh, places they don't even pump water to their plants that night when it's real cold they just keep the water circulating to the fish so your plants are really resilient to that so and the other thing is another thing you don't need but you can is a greenhouse you know or environmental controls and all that whole big realm you'll get better results but they're not needed you know, matter of fact, I highly suggest you don't build that right away. Uh, get get your system going, and then if you really get into it, expand later. It just adds another complexity when you start up, and another cost because uh, when you do this, you get great vegetables, great you know uh, fish and everything like that. And what you can grow is almost endless. You know, pretty much any kind of vegetable you want you can grow. You know, your lettuce, even fruits. You know, you can grow in there. You can plant trees in there. Matter of fact, one of our grow beds, we are actually going to put one of our, uh, uh, a lime tree. That's that's going to be in our greenhouse. So you can plant trees in there. Uh, so, speaking of the grow beds, let's get into that specifically. I said I was going to get more detail about the different grow beds because there are three main type of grow beds you can have. The first type of grow bed is the one most people... Will have, and it's the media filled bed, and that's just some kind of container. You want it a foot deep, you don't want it much more than a foot because then it's just a waste. Filled with some kind of media. Now, it works best if the media is about three quarter inch, it's not exact, you go a little smaller, a little bigger, and you're fine, but you don't want it too big and you don't want it too small because you do want the airflow and everything like that. And you can do as simple as three quarter inch rock now you don't want highly mineralized rock that will leach in the soil to throw off your chemistry you don't want that uh, there's different types you can get a- expanded shale is a really good one that you can get and it's neutral free and there's also something called you know the expanded clay it's little three-quarter inch little look like little clay balls that are solid that you can get that are real light now the advantage of the clay balls that's what i'm using is it's inert, it's really light. I can have a tomato plant that's growing. I can pull the whole thing out, roots and all, and look at it. Yep, and plant it back and the plant is perfectly healthy because it gives that much and everything comes out. Downside is, is if this is outside and not protected, you get a high wind, these plants can fall over. So you do have to watch out for that. Explained, but it's easy to plant stuff. And when you plant stuff when you start it from seed or you buy it, you want to rinse the soil off and it's just as easy a bucket of water if you buy the seedlings you know they're little two inch by two inch cubes or whatever like that put it in the bucket not the whole plant just the roots shake it around real gently and rub on it real gently and you'll see all the dirt just fall off and you'll get 99 95 to 99 percent of all the dirt off you're fine without with the little amount then you can plant the roots in there and you're good to go and what the media bed does is the water is pumped into the media bed and it fills up from the bottom all the way to two inches from the top. You don't want the water to go to the top because you want the two inches of dry material at the top so no light can hit the water and you don't get any algae growth. Algae is not really bad for your system, but it will take the oxygen and nutrients out of the water that you want otherwise, and it doesn't look as good. So the water fills up to, to the top, and then you have what's called a bell siphon, and you can also get what's called a loop siphon and i haven't decided which way to go but the bell siphon is what most people use and again if you type you know aquaponic bell siphon at youtube you'll have about 400 videos you know to watch what it is but basically what it does it fills up and it gets to a certain height uh just through the siphoning effect will siphon all the water out of the bed down to about an inch or two to the bottom and then it starts filling up again and you just get this fill you know and drain fill and drain and what that does is with that nutrient water your plant roots are getting 100 percent of all the food they want uh, basically they're an all-you-can-eat buffet line in las vegas anything they want all the time they want they can take it but plant roots need oxygen so what this does is when the water goes down as it goes down it goes down really quick because it takes depends on how you have it set up 10 to 20 minutes to fill up that foot and it'll take two to about two minutes just to drain all the water out so it's a quick empty what that does is it forces water down through the rocks that's why you don't want really fine like sand it's harder for the air to get through the air will come down and get to all the roots the roots can get all the air it wants so it's getting a hundred percent of the air it wants and a hundred percent of the water it wants even plants that don't like to be in waterlogged areas they're still fine because they're not waterlogged what people think of that oh it's in water well, no, waterlogged means it's not getting oxygen. Remember that. So you're getting the best of both worlds. Now, some plants you can't grow aquaponics. Uh, some of your root vegetables you have a little harder times. Carrots do fine. Radishes do fine. Potatoes don't do as good because they'll rot down there. But you can research and just plant and test like that. The next one is the NFT. This is basically, you've got probably seen these out there and if you look at hydroponic system. Uh, Basically, I believe that stands for nutrient-filled tunnel. I, I, I think, <laughs> but basically, it almost looks like a trough going down—a three, four, five-inch trough going down at a slight angle. The water's put in at one end; it runs down by gravity to the other end, and the roots sit in this water that's running past it all the time. Now, the reason I don't like that, where I am at, the water heats up real quick in those runs. And then it gets back real hot to the fish. So if if I'm in Texas, if I do this, I want really short runs. I want two, three-foot runs, four max, just to keep the temperature down. You're in the middle of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Hey, you can have really long runs, and it really, you know, with the exception of a couple, two, three, four weeks a year, you really have to worry about that, you'll be fine. So that's, that's used quite a bit in the hydroponics industry, and that's what that is. And the last one is the raft. Now a lot of people know the raft because they've been to Disney World or Disneyland and they got their big hydroponic system up where they got all the lettuces floating on the water. That's basically they look they look like they're on big styrofoam sheets with holes in them. Basically, the lettuce is sitting in a little hole. the roots are floating in the water all the time. Lettuces can be in the water all the time. no issue. That's why they pump a lot of air in there so there's still oxygen in the water and that's fine for the lettuces. And the stuff's floating and you plant them on one end of the bed. And then you harvest them on the other end. So every day you're pushing them some down that you've taken out and then on the planting end. So it's a constant cycle, putting them all in one end, harvesting down on the, on the other end. But those are basically the three type of grow beds that you will see. But most of you, if you do this, will do the media filled bed design, which is great. And I'm doing a little hybrid. I'm going to be doing six media filled bed and one raft bed Uh, but i will also have little tiny nfts set up in a non-traditional way and basically it'll be a tower set up with a big four inch pvc with holes in them Uh, it'll be it'll be a strawberry tower with openings on it and the water will go up to the top and trickle down all the way through it and then back through to my system so i'll be doing the nft and letting it a little non-traditional Way, but those are the basic types of beds you have but that's basically the aquaponic system in itself a couple things you want to remember in this is one of the good ones is you cannot get e coli with an aquaponic system Aqu- e coli comes from warm-blooded animals in some way shape or form fisher for li- not really cold but a cold-blooded let's say that so you cannot get e coli from this and secondly is you never want to use pest control on your plants ever 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 you'll have healthier plants you'll probably have less bugs to begin with but you never want to because that will get in the fish and that will stress the fish out and fish can get stressed very easily and fish can die from stress very easily a lot of you guys might know that and everything like that but that's basically aquaponic system as a whole Like I said, there's tons of different systems. I've seen some designed just out of those blue 55-gallon drums. One of those is the tank and another one cut in half the long way for a couple media beds and sit out on a balcony or the back patio, and it did its thing. So it's, it's a great thing to do. You can get a lot of food production out of this for a little space, and once it's set up, it almost runs itself. You're just going out couple times a day, feeding the fish, and you can even supplement that by growing some of your own food. Take a little container, put some of the fish water in there, and start growing duckweed. Now, duckweed, some of you guys haven't seen in the ponds, will double every 30 to 48 hours. So, and it's very, it's like 35, 40% protein. So, it's very high protein for your fish. Tilapia will eat it. So you might want to do that just for free fish food. Another thing you can do is, it's it's called a black fly larva trap. Now you don't want the household flies, but once black flies get in there and they're, they'll take over a colony, uh, house flies will not go into it because black flies really don't carry anything bad to you. But you're really not, they're just laying their eggs in there, then the larvae are growing, you can set black fly larva traps you know, on YouTube, and you'll get some videos. There's no smell to it, but basically, you're catching all the larvae before they drop and go in the ground and become flies. So you're actually controlling some of the population, if anything. Take them, you can also feed your fish some of the larvae, because those are like 40, 45% protein and 30% fat. So you could even, for lack of a better term, grow some of your own foods you don't you're not even buying as much food you know i plan on supplementing at least 50 percent of my food with something homegrown so i'm only purchasing half the amount of food that i would and that's your only really input you know feed them a couple times a day not too much you you can read in depth how to do that i'm not going to go into that but just just feed them a couple times a day three times a day if you really want to you can have a timer if you want to Check your levels for your different nitrite, nitrate, ammonias and everything in the water to make sure it's all healthy. And that's all you're really doing and watching it and collecting the food so and harvesting the fish. So, I really think aquaponics is a great thing. And what does this have to do with modern survivalism? It's making yourself live better now. And if something bad happens later, yes, you're already there and you're already prepared. But I'm looking more at it as... I can live a lot better now uh, than I could have without it so aquaponics is a great thing it can be a great hobby you know if you're into gardening and, and already look into aquaponics you're already there if you like fish hey this is another great thing you might as well get some food alongside the fish if you're already into fish so and if you like eating fish a lot better yet too so look into aquaponics it's a great thing you can do it can be a great hobby you know and it can even be a commercial environment because if you look at lettuces you will sell lettuces at a premium if you get into this commercially now obviously you have the business license yada 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 but if you sell the high grade lettuce the lowest you'll get anywhere in the country is two dollars a head and that is an iceberg lettuce so don't grow iceberg lettuce cardboard has more nutrition than iceberg lettuce but your other lettuces you'll get about two dollars a head for it well with with two dollars the head you know lettuce grows in about 30 days so you're getting a fast product you know and once you get your system down you know you can feasibly work two to five hours a day you know five six days a week and you know and sell a thousand fifteen hundred a week so and that's not a bad income you know for that not say a little amount of work but that work now that's after the system is set up and you know what you're doing you got to be going right away you're going to be putting in a lot of time and everything so it can be a commercial environment too so i really recommend everybody look into aquaponics it's fun i'm going to have it and again uh you can follow me on Google Plus or Facebook, and I will be posting some videos and pictures as I build mine. I'll be starting to build mine probably in about a month, I'm guessing, maybe a little sooner, depending on time. And you'll be able to see anything there if it interests you. And if you have any questions or anything like that about the aquaponics and you don't want to look online or you get the lazy web like I do sometime, or if you have a question you don't want to ask somebody because you feel stupid, just shoot me an email you know i really don't care and i'm not going to be putting my email on the website you have to listen to it right here but it is tracy t-r-a-c-y at h-t-redneck.com h-t-r-e-d-n-e-c-k dot com .com, or tracy holtz t-r-a-c-y h-o-l-z on google plus or facebook and you can find me there and i believe there's another tracy holtz out there and that's it shouldn't be too hard that's a female and i think they're in europe and there might be one in the u.s i don't know but i'm the one down in texas so any questions hit me up or anything like that and i appreciate everybody listening to this and everybody have a great day